We'd appreciate it if anyone hearing this broadcast would communicate with us as we are very anxious to know how far the broadcast is reaching and how it is being received. Is anybody above us that passes like 30 seconds ago? Number 71 Papa Golf negative. A UFO. Yeah. American uh, 1095, uh, let me know if uh, you see anything pass over you here in the next uh, 15 miles. You know if anything passes over? American 1095 affirmative. We had an aircraft in front of you. It's uh, 37. They reported something passed over him, and uh, we didn't have any targets. So just uh, let me know if you see anything pass over you. All right. It's American 1095. Yeah, something just passed over. It's uh, like a... don't know what it was. This podcast is made possible by the Social Voice Project. Tony Lavorna's Legends and Lore podcast explores the history and tales of ghost stories, mysterious crimes, murders, UFOs, witchcraft, and other occult happenings still thriving in the greater Ohio Valley region of Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Ohio, and beyond. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to today's show. Today, we'll be speaking with Mr. Fred Saluga. Fred is the director for the West Virginia and Pennsylvania chapters of MUFON. That's the Mutual UFO Network. The MUFON Network is an organization that investigates cases of reported UFO sightings. The organization now has more than 3,000 members. Now, MUFON operates a worldwide network of regional directors for field investigations of reported UFO sightings. Their statement mission, the scientific study of UFOs for the benefit of humanity through investigations, research, and education. Fred, welcome to the program today. How are you? Good, thank you. Excellent. Tell us a little bit about being a director, if you would, for both the West Virginia and Pennsylvania chapters. Sir, how long have you been doing this at this post? Uh, I just became a director in Pennsylvania about six months ago, but I was with West Virginia for about four years. How does one become a director? Well, you, you got to be there for a while, and then, you know, you got to know what you're doing, and somebody recommends you, and then the board puts you in. Um the, the investigations we have right now in, in Pennsylvania, I think we have about 15 people investigating. We, got, we split it up, west side and east side. West side, we're getting on an average about 20, 20 a month now. East side's getting about 30 cases a month. As a matter of fact, I, I wasn't doing any investigations, but uh, I got two interesting ones. Well, actually three. Um, one is a man seen a reptilian down in Fayette County which I'm going to do the investigation tomorrow. Then we have another case where it's like a Batman, but he's it's a human or it's an animal, and it looks like a, a UFO, a, a triangular craft. A guy just told me about that yesterday. Actually, he was assigned the investigation, and when he talked to the guy and he found out it was alive, he says, I'm going to give it to you. And then I got another case I got to investigate doing a, a tornado down there in Uniontown. A girl was picked up and picked up by the air and put into a basement somewhere. And she said she's seen a bunch of creatures down there. So I'm going to investigate that one, too. 
So they keep you pretty busy with with the different investigations. It seems that right. these are all different areas, different counties right. within these regions. Uh, t- tell our listeners at home, uh, Fred, uh, how did you first get into this this field? What what made you? Well, actually, when I was young, I, I believed in Bigfoot. We used to have something running around, and then back in the seventies is when everything started. You know, Fayette County is one of the biggest counties, I would say, in the state of Pennsylvania with Bigfoot activity and UFO activity. And I really got involved uh, when I was a cop uh, or a police officer. Uh, we was out on patrol meeting another guy. And How, how long were you a police officer? Uh, Ten years. I was police chief for three. And uh, we had a we had a call, the burglary in progress, so to speak. We got there and there was snow on the ground and there was nobody went in the house. Well, we both had something to do at 11.30. He had a date and whatever. So we get there, and, uh, and I just, like you say, this ain't regulated, so I can tell you exactly what the lady said. We knocked on the door, and she said, the son of a bitch, stay up the stairs. Go get him. So we go upstairs where she said, right? So we get up there. There's nothing there. So I said, I told you the woman's not playing with a full deck. Let me do the report and be the hell out of here. We go downstairs. And we're looking at each other. We could actually hear people dancing up there. I mean, it was like they was having a party up there. We was just up there. There was nobody there. So we both took our guns out. What the hell they would have done, I don't know. But So then we went up, nothing there. Come back down, and we asked her, like, you know, what's going on? And she said, they got demo ghosts. Get them out of my house. I said, wow. So I said, well, they never taught us that at the police academy. I mean, (laughs) they forgot to to put that that chapter in, it sounds like. So my partner says, you're not going to tell anybody what happened. And I said, yeah, I'm, you know, so about, about a month later, I get a call from another department while I'm working in the car. And it's Fred, what time are you getting off? That's 11 o'clock. He says, well, we got a Bigfoot sighting up here. You want to come investigate it? So what all started off as a joke, I've been doing it now for 50 years. Wow, over 50 so, years. So where did you go from that? You, you were a police officer. And well, then- I, well, as a police officer, I, I started actually doing UFOs and Bigfoot and you know, entities and all of that. Tell us a little bit about that. So tell us some of your favorite cases, perhaps. Back then, if I knew then what I know now, it would have been cool. Like, we had one case where um, we was in a Masontown, PA. Uh, we got a report that somebody was in a graveyard, and there was snow on it, you know, snow all over. There was no snow on the, on the grave. And there was three-toed tracks coming out of the grave going into the woods. Um I don't know, I, a bunch more, but I mean, it, it, it's like you, I don't know, um, to me, they're not, not even anything anymore. I mean, I, I, I've done so many of them, it's, you know, it's like, like I said right now, I, I talked to a guy here not too long ago, he allegedly was a, he was a, a hybrid, a reptilian hybrid, and uh, I told him I wanted to interview him, and he said that they got back with him, and they told him that if he would talk to me, they'd kill him. So I told him, I says, well, you tell him, I said, they're little ugly so-and-sos and that I want to talk to them, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I love doing stuff like that. I was with Brian and them when they did the uh, gargoyle investigations. You're speaking of Mr. Brian Seach. Brian Seach, right. And he and I did a bunch of investigations together. Tell us some of those investigations. What uh, have you done? You said you did both the Bigfoot well, and UFO? Yeah, well, Brian and Terry used to be in MUFON. Terry was the state section director at the time. So we did investigations together there, and then we did a lot of Bigfoot investigations. What is your take on the UFO period? What do you feel in your personal opinion as being an investigator for this long about the phenomena? 
First of all, I don't believe they're from outer space. You do not? No, I think they're from here. What do you mean by that? Well, I, I think that, you know, people look up in the sky. Um, I, I think a lot of the things we're seeing are actually government. But again, when you're looking at the, the aliens themselves, they've been here since the beginning of mankind. I mean, if you look at a lot of stuff built back in a, you know, before Christ, I mean, we couldn't have done that. We can't do it today like they did it then. The FBI in, in 47 said that they were interdimensional creatures. They can go where they want to go and do what they want to do. It's like, you know, like you was talking about Bigfoot. You know, I'm a firm believer that Bigfoot's interdimensional. You know, he can vanish when he wants to, or he can change shift shaper. And I believe that's what they are. I mean, they, they're here, but really, I think some of them's in the government because they're doing what they want to do. Uh, you said in the uh, earlier in the program, in the 70s, uh, it would seem to you that uh, Fayette had a lot of activity of, of the UFOs and, and Bigfoot. Well, Why do you feel that is? Well, there was, a, there was a couple of investigators back there in the 70s uh, that really got involved in this. And uh, this is really where the Bigfoot and the UFO phenomena started, actually, in Fayette County. Um, they had a, one case where two guys were riding in a truck, and uh, they seen actually a craft land. So they went down. It was a farm. The kid owned the farm. And they went down to the farm, and there was a craft there. And then they seen two Bigfoot walking along the fence line. So he popped a shell over its head, and then he shot one of them, and it just gave out a squill, and it walked away like, you know, nothing happened. And there was a big flap in, seven, in 73 about UFOs everywhere. I mean, it's, it's like every so often you get a flap. You'll get, you know, a lot of UFO sightings. And 73 was one of the big years. 66 was another. In 66, you had Kecksburg, you had Prescott Lowe, you had the Mothman, you had... Um, Denenberger, when the, the ship landed on I-70. Denenberger, he lived down in um, West Virginia, Parkersburg. And uh, as he was driving home one night, uh, a ship actually landed in front of him. It was shaped like a, uh, like a lantern. And the guy got out, and the entity got out and talked to him. And he became very good friends with him. And he allegedly took him to Lucas. That's where Lupus or whatever, where, where he went. NASA had him down there investigating him and interviewing him for like five days. Wow. It was an interesting case. And they said it had something to do with the Mothman. And what became of this man in, in, in the case? Are you familiar with he, that? He moved to Ohio. He was getting so much, um, you know, people coming around his house every night waiting here and there. So he moved to Ohio and that was the end of it. He died a couple of years ago. We'll move a little bit ahead in time. I know when we last spoke, you had told me a very interesting story, even though it's probably not UFO-related more than it is Bigfoot-related, uh, that you were at a, a, a park or an area one time and you had run into some men from the government well, or, what, or a government what, truck. Okay, what had happened, this was about two years ago. Two guys was up at Quebec Hollow. That's up, by, uh, that's up in Pennsylvania, up in the mountains by Laurel Caverns. And they said that there was about three or four Bigfoot down there in the hollow where it was running around them and that. And they told us about it. So me, another guy, and one of the ladies in my group went down there to investigate us. We was driving down a hill. We seen a bunch of trucks parked alongside the road. They were actually military trucks. They had no license plates on them. Uh, the drivers all had uh, civilian clothes on. What was interesting, they had a red bar along the door, which I've never seen before. So we get down to, down to the hall of down there and... There's a truck down there, and there's a guy 
dressed in military fatigues that was sanitized. I mean, he had nothing on. He had no uh, insignias on or anything. When he seen us, he took off in the woods. I mean, me, I walked up to the truck. <laughs> I said, yo, what you doing here, man? And he said, what are you doing here? And I said, well, we're hunting Bigfoot. And he says, well, it's not, it's not my, how do you say, it's not my whatever to do it. Like I'm, I'm here for something, you know? So I started talking to him and he said he was a lieutenant and that, uh, they dressed like that. So nobody would know who they were. Anyhow, we went back in the woods and, uh, we ran into another one of their guys. He was coming out. He had fatigue pants on, but a regular jacket. And we did our thing down there and we, come back out. And I said, really, are you guys here hunting Bigfoot or what? And he just started laughing. So I said, have you ever seen any tracks, any cast? And he said, no, no, I haven't seen any. So I took him out a couple of my trunk I showed him. And I mean, the guy's eyeballs popped out of his head, like, where'd you get these at? I said, all over. So as we're leaving, as we're riding up the road, all the other trucks are coming down. So there was something going on down there that, that they didn't want us to know about, or they would all been down there at the one time. Wow. Getting into that, you also have a case where, uh, you ever hear of um, 411 Missing, Dave Politis' book? No, please. Okay, his books are people that just end up missing, like in the parks and that. And uh, they had a case where a little boy was missing, and they actually brought special forces in to look for this kid. Now, why would you bring the special forces into a, a national park to look for a kid? And then somebody said they actually seen the kid being carried by what appeared looked like a bear. So very possible it was Bigfoot. And maybe that's why they was down there. Maybe something happened down there we weren't familiar with. I don't know. That's very strange indeed. Fred, let me ask you about your feelings. Uh, you had mentioned a little bit earlier there uh, the Kecksburg incident. Uh, for those, um, I'm sure probably most of our listeners have heard uh, that mentioned before. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit of your feelings being an investigator, being a director for MUFON, uh, your feelings about the uh, Kecksburg incident back in the 60s. Well, I, I'll start off by saying something did land there, okay? I don't know what it was. I, I really don't believe it was a UFO. I think the story got blowed out of proportion over the years. Kecksburg was allegedly the eastern uh, Roswell. Um, a lot of the people that say they was there, they're, they don't speak to you. They only speak to one person. Here in the last year, year and a half, uh, John Ventry and I forget the other guy. He was an engineer. He lived in Kecksburg at the time. Uh, he's under the conclusion that it was actually one of our spy planes, one of our spy satellites that came down. And that's why <clears throat> when the military came in, the military knew where exactly where that thing was going to land. I mean, it didn't take them. They came from Oakdale. It didn't take him but 15, 20 minutes to get there. Now, for those of us in the know, I'm going to interrupt Fred one moment. Uh, for those who may not recall the incident itself, the object, which some said was a fireball, right. some said claimed it may have been a meteor, meteorite, right. uh, that as this meteor, let's just call her a fireball, approached the earth, it, it came over Canada. Right. Uh, I believe it uh, went through Ohio, Ohio into was, Pennsylvania right. and made five turns. Is that I correct? don't know about the five turns, but okay. I know it was like stuff was coming out of it, falling on the ground. And I know it made the last turn and went over and it came back and it like slowed down and landed like it was being controlled. Well, when, when the military got there and everybody said they couldn't get in it. So, you know, again, what was it? I mean, how can something be controlled like that and you can't get in it? Um, but they... Two of the military guys went down there, 
and they actually brought something out in a box, which would have been the nuclear power plant in it. That's what we're, we're figuring out now. And when it came in, it had green. They said it was glowing green, which would have been the copper on it from the way that the missile was made. And But like I say, the thing is, um, it's been so many years now, and it's been everybody believes that it was a UFO, and that's, you know, nobody. And also, if you prove it isn't a UFO, then what happens to Kexburg Festival every year? <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is a big fe- festival uh, up there. I believe it's in July, correct? Right. Every right. year. Some people say that the town was divided in everything it over still this is. incident. It, it still is. I mean, you talk to a lot of the people up there, and they want nothing to do with it. They don't believe it was a UFO. Um, another part of it, they took it out, and they brought it to a base down in Ohio, and then they brought it to uh, Wright-Patterson. And again, you know, when you get to these things, Everybody talks, and they're all confidential witnesses, so you can't prove anything. 20 years they've been investigating, and not one person wanted to talk with, you know, about what they were saying. But allegedly one of the guys says that he was there, he brought bricks there, okay? A certain kind of bricks. Yeah, for, there were two brick layers, I right, believe. Right, so they could cover the thing up so radiation wouldn't come off of it. And he actually seen the thing laying on a gurney with one arm over now, who this guy is, who knows? Did he really say that? I don't know. I mean, again, you know, there's a lot of speculation and a lot of I don't know. This said that and that said that. Well, who said it? Right. Well, I can't tell you that that's confidential. Well, again, if you can't tell me, then you can't prove it. So. And what, what are your feelings? Um, uh, Mr. Murphy was the gentleman, the investigator at the time. Right. He was a reporter, actually, right. uh, for the, one of the local newspapers. Uh, there were alleged reports... Uh, after the incident, uh, that that man had taken some photographic pictures or some type of proof. Uh, the night that this reporter uh, was going to go on the air uh, with that which he had, tapes, audio, what have you, apparently or evidently back then, somebody paid him a visit. And supposedly, uh, as the uh, the story goes, he decided that uh, it would be in his best interest not to put this stuff out over the air in the public. So they redacted his story. Uh, The program that he was going to air uh, was changed and altered. And then uh, he apparently himself uh, had quite a bizarre accident. Uh, From what I remember, uh, the information, he was out in California or something on vacation, and he was a victim of a hit-and-run, and nobody ever found the the man who actually struck him with right, the car. What, right. what what are your feelings? I mean, on well, that, uh, that is this a conspiracy? Actually, yeah. What what are we talking? Okay, here? that could what? actually be two ways. It could have been. I mean, he could have been hit by somebody wanting to shut up. We don't know what kind of evidence he had. I mean, as far as the government coming in telling you to shut up, I think if you have something that's going to make them look bad, they will kill you. There's no doubt in my mind. Okay, uh, most UFO investigators die at a young age. I mean, you got a lot of them that if you get something that's really good, they'll come and see, a.k.a. Men in Black, all right? And uh, there's books written on how many UFO investigators died at a very early age. And I think maybe he had something. Do you know the statistics off the top of your head? No, no, no. Okay. I mean, how many UFO investigators don't we know about that died? (laughs) I mean, you can't, you know. Good point. But but again, I mean, I I couldn't say. I mean, maybe he did. I mean, it's like uh, John... Uh, the, the professor that did the UFO investigation, he'd done abductions. He went to England and got run over by a hit-and-run driver. 
So did he know something he wasn't supposed to know? I mean, I, I can't say that. But I believe if you do know something, they'll, they'll take you out. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. Now, I understand, too, um, in the time that we have left, uh, not only were you a lawman, you, you worked, uh, as you said, chief police. Uh, you were also private investigator for many right. years as well. Right. I was uh, PI in West Virginia, Ohio. I mean, West Virginia, Florida, and uh, Pennsylvania. And I also worked in a prison system. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and one thing I like to say, when, when I first became a cop, I worked on Capitol Hill for two years. Oh, wow. I bet you met some interesting people there. Yeah, I, I had to get out of there. I can't take politicians. But anyhow, <laughs> um, no, they're, they're unreal. Uh, but anyhow, I went from there, then I worked in a prison down in Florida, a medical and reception center. And I actually ran hospital security down here three nights a week. So I got to drink coffee with Ted Bundy, Stano, the, the Black Widow, everybody on death row, because that's where they had to come. Fred Saluga, nobody can accuse you of not keeping interesting company. I will say that. I mean, I I still do. I mean, you know. And I believe you also uh, taught a class. You and uh, Mr. Brian Seach uh, taught a uh, class on cryptozoology. Yeah, at Eastern Gateway. uh, The class went over good. Actually, we taught two classes there. And uh, we had very many people come to them. I mean, they liked it. And Brian and I also uh, wrote uh, newspaper articles for two years, two and a half years, for um, the Hancock County Courier on cryptozoology. When you uh, when MUFON um, takes these calls, um, is there anybody that you would like us to uh, to put out over the air a way to get in touch with you or the organization? Well, I, I got two organizations. I got uh, West Virginia Center for Unexplained Events. That's the brother to their group. And then I got uh, Fayette County, Pennsylvania, Bigfoot Research Project. But if they want to make a MUFON report, only they got to do is go to MUFON.com, and it has right there where you can make a report at. Fred, thank you very much today, folks. You were listening to Mr. Fred Saluga, uh, the director for the West Virginia, Pennsylvania chapters of MUFON. I am Tony Lavorna from Tony Lavorna's Legends and Lore podcast. Thank you, Fred. Perhaps we could have you back at a later time again. Thank you for having me. Thank you, sir. If you like what you've heard, be sure to like, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast app. Listening to a production of the Social Voice Project. This concludes our broadcast.